1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Good evening. My name's Jeff. It's great to be with you tonight. It'll help to have that passage open in your Bibles. After the sermon, we're going to have a time for questions. So as we go, if anything uh, strikes you that you'd like to ask a question about, do write down. Uh, There'll be a time for questions afterwards. Or if you'd just like to ask in person, you can grab me down the front at the info table. A quick uh, question. Who's into Pokemon Go? Feels like that's the thing. Uh, at least this week. Um, some passionate supporters of the back. I love it. Uh, my friend was down from Exmouth and uh, he took his wife out for dinner and they were driving back uh, through Kings Park and he said, oh, this is about 11 o'clock Wednesday night, cars everywhere. He, he said they stopped and got out because he wanted to find the concert uh, that was on in Kings Park. Uh, people as far as the eye can see. Is Pokemon Go... Good. Is it good or bad? How should uh, we think about that? Is that something that we should embrace and celebrate as a good gift from God? Uh, Is it uh, something a bit different? Uh, Is it narcissistic? Is it uh, a reflection of the worst excesses of Western consumerism? How do we think about Pokemon Go? How do we think about uh, the world around us? How does does God think about Pokemon Go? How does he think about his people interacting with it? Uh, It raises the question, uh, how do we encounter anything in our life? How do we make decisions about what we interact with or what we don't? How should a Christian, if they want to follow Jesus, how should they think about uh, the ballet or the stock market, or their job, or their smartphone? How do we interact with our world? Well, tonight, John's message is, don't love the world. Don't love the world. Now, you might think, typical, typical. Christians always being negative, hating on stuff. Uh, Why can't we just uh, enjoy life for once? Is that what John means? Does he mean don't enjoy life, don't try and make the world better, just uh, cross your arms, uh, frown a little bit and uh, wait for heaven and that's it? Is that what he's saying? Well, we need to ask what he means by uh, the world. When he says don't love the world, what does he mean by the world? Uh, In the Bible, that phrase, the world, uh, is sometimes used to just mean the earth, the thing that we are standing on, the the physical globe. Uh, But here, John explains it in this passage just a little bit more. 
Uh, Have a look uh, with me down there at verses 15 and 16 of chapter 2. He starts off, do not love the world or anything in the world. And then verse 16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. See, John describes uh, the world in terms of those three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That is, the world is those attitudes and uh, desires, those things that are are selfish, that uh, lust that takes for ourselves and is opposed to God, pride in ourselves and that rejects God. Later on in 1 John, in chapter 5, verse 19, uh, John says that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The whole world. So the world is the sphere of Satan's influence. It's where he does his work. And so uh, the world is the catchphrase for everything that stands against God and under Satan. So that's John's message uh, to anyone who wants to be a follower of Jesus. He says, do not love that. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Well, we're going to dig into that a bit tonight. Uh, We're going to see why it is uh, that people who want to follow Jesus are called to not love the world. And so we're going to look at it in three bits, uh, three reasons, really. Uh, do, Do not love the world. Think about who you are. Uh, don't love the world, think about what that means, and then don't love the world, think about what's next. Who you are, what that means, and what's next. That's where we're going. Firstly, don't love the world, think about who you are. Uh, John is addressing this letter to churches, and he starts by telling them who they are and what's already happened to them. So read with me from verse 12. He says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Uh, In his letter, John calls all Christians uh, little children. Uh, That's uh, what it means to have God as your father. And so he's really talking about everyone in the church here. If you're a child of God, then your sins have been forgiven. That's what he says in verse 12. And I think that's key for thinking about the world. Because if worldliness is this life opposed to God, then the Christian needs to know that they've been forgiven from their part in that. They're not caught up in the guilt of the world anymore. They've been forgiven. And so it's a fresh start as children of God. John says, think about who you are. He goes on and he addresses uh, fathers and young men, uh, the young and the old in the faith. Uh, to those older in the faith, uh, he reminds them of who they know. It's, it's not that they know just like the latest spiritual guru to come through. Uh, they've come to know Jesus. And see what he says about Jesus? He says he's the one from the beginning, from the creation of the world. And knowing him really puts the world into the right perspective because how can the things of the world Uh, mean more than knowing the creator of the world, the one there from the beginning. 
Uh, it's like as if uh, you went to Disneyland, but you actually knew Walt Disney. In fact, it's a closer analogy is imagine if Walt Disney was your dad uh, and then you went to Disneyland. Wouldn't it make you look at Disneyland differently? Uh, you wouldn't love the rides more than you loved your father, especially if he was the one who came up with all the rides in the first place. In fact, you'd probably love the place more because of your father, because you knew him and because you loved him. John says, think about who you are. Think about your relationship with God. Uh, To those who are younger, he says, think about the spiritual significance of becoming a Christian. Uh, The world is under the control of Satan. And so people's default position is to be against God. If you're in the world, then your default position is actually to be against God. And so to become a Christian to give yourself to the Lord Jesus is actually uh, to do something incredibly significant. It's to overthrow Satan. To turn and trust Jesus is to have uh, his hold, Satan's hold on you broken. And so that shapes how you think about the world as well. It's like having had cancer and then have beaten it to have had doctors work on you and cure you, to be freed from that. So the cancer's gone and it's dead to you. And it's the same with the Christian and the world. If you've overcome Satan, why go back to the world, to living in the place where he rules? So John says, think about who you are. Don't love the world. For the people he's writing to, they are forgiven. They know Jesus. They've overcome Satan. And so he says, you have every reason to love God and not love the world. Don't love the world. Think about who you are. Number two, don't love the world. Think about what that means. Uh, Have a look at verse 15 with me. Think about what it means if you do love the world. Verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. If you love the things of the world, the implication is that you don't really love God. You don't really love God. It's, it's a fake Christianity if you love the world. Uh, when I think about myself, if I think about uh, what I was like when I went to high school, uh, I called myself a Christian at the time, but I think I loved the world, looking back. The thing I loved was parties with friends. Uh, that's what I was most, most excited about in life. That's the thing that shaped my decisions, my actions. And I think that my friends I knew that I wasn't a Christian, that I didn't really love God because I loved these other things that went against God. So how could I really love God? Don't love the world. It means you've chosen to stop loving God. It's a mutually exclusive thing. It's like a light switch. It's either on or off, uh, one way or the other. 
It can't be both. But maybe that doesn't sound right to you. Uh, Because our experience of life is that we can love more than one thing. I can love waffles and bacon at the same time. Uh, So why is it that these things, God and the world, have to be mutually exclusive? Why do they have to be mutually exclusive? Is it just that what John's saying is that it's about loving God the most? That you can love other things, uh, that you can love Pokemon Go, um, you can love kind of Pokemon this much, uh, your family this much, this much, uh, or you can... But whatever you do, you've got to love God the most. Is that what he's saying? He said that still doesn't answer the question because he says, do not love the world. Uh, it's, it's mutually exclusive. You can't have any other love, it seems. Why is that? Why does it sound like he's saying, have no other love other than God? Uh, well, in John's letters... Love is about who you obey. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, have a look at that. He says, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. See, that love is expressed in obedience. That the, the mark of true love for God is true obedience to his word. So when he says love, do not love the world and love God, he's talking about what's decisive in your life. Your life can only have one captain, one ruler, one director. And that is a mutually exclusive position. If you have uh, the world and uh, your desires as the thing which uh, makes your decisions, then you can't have God also in that position. It's one or the other. So is it the world that directs you? Is that true for you? Do you look at your life and think, I do obey my lusts, my desires, the things of the world. Is that what rules you? Or do you love God? Is he your captain? Will you obey him? Uh, Look back with me at verse 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. They're the two alternative directors uh, for your life, the, the Father, all these worldly passions. And it's worth taking a moment just to think about them. uh, Because... uh, John lays them out for us. He calls it the the lust of the flesh. That's our our physical drives uh, that are actually good. Uh, Even things like our sex drive is given by God. It's it's a thing that has been given to us, a gift from God. But the word here is, is lust. It's about selfish desire. It's when we take those Uh, drives and misuse them. And so God-given sex in the context of marriage uh, becomes porn, something that we consume for our own sake. 
It becomes a selfish desire which we take and which drives us. Or lust of the eyes. That's not just talking about a sexual lust, but uh, it's any kind of covetousness. Seeing something and, and wanting it, pursuing it. Uh, whether that's uh, her dress or his friends. Uh, seeing other people's lifestyles and having uh, the lust for that direct our steps, make our decisions for us. You just need to stop and uh, think through uh, where people sin in the Bible. At the start of the Bible, in Genesis 3, uh, Eve disobeys God. And this is uh, what Genesis 3 says. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. So it's the, it's the lust of the eyes. It's seeing that thing that will give us significance and then pursuing it. Or think about David's adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, this is what uh, the way the Bible tells that story. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. Uh, He sees a beautiful woman, but then goes on uh, to commit adultery with her. Something that offends God, displeases him, but uh, the lust of the eyes was what directed his steps. Whether it's uh, pursuing significance uh, or relationships or money, our eyes see things and, and we want them, we covet them. And so uh, we chase them down and that becomes our ruler instead of God. And the pride of life, uh, those things which make us uh, self-fulfilled, a career, house, travel, the things that prove that you've made it. Uh, What John's saying is that if, if those things are your ultimate source of satisfaction, your source of pride... Uh, then it means that you love the world. And that means that you can't be loving God. And he wants to uh, lay out those two choices. Mutually exclusive, loving the world or loving God. uh, Because of what's next. The consequences of that for what's next. So that's uh, point three for us. He says, don't love the world, think about what's next. This final reason he gives for not loving the world is because of what's happening in the future. John tells us to think about what's happening next. Have a look at verse 17. He says, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. See, the Bible says that there is such a thing as life after death, a life forever with God. It's a wonderful thing. And it says that that uh, life begins when this world has passed away. See, according to the Bible, uh, the history is linear. It has a starting point and it's going somewhere to an end point. Uh, Not everyone thinks about the world that way. Uh, For a Buddhist or a Hindu, uh, history is circular. uh, It's this endless cycle of 
birth and rebirth that goes on and on. Uh, For the atheist, uh, history is random. It's like a squiggle, uh, this squiggly line of chance and uh, no meaningful ending, just on and on until it finishes. But the Bible says that history has a direction, that the world will have a literal final day. This is what um, Peter writes in his uh, letter to Peter. He says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. He's saying there will come a day when this physical world will be done away with, will pass away. But did you see there's an even more important thing in there? It says that everything done in it, everything done in the world will be laid bare that it'll it'll actually be a day of judgment. A day when everything is laid bare, when God will judge the world. And in 1 John 2.17, it says that whoever does the will of God will uh, lives forever. That on that day of judgment, whoever does the will of God, whoever uh, belongs as a child of God, uh, will live forever. God will welcome them home this wonderful uh, homecoming party and he will give eternal life to those who love him. But you see the implication, don't you? Uh, Those who uh, love God and do his will, they'll live forever. But those who don't, those who love the world, uh, well, they'll pass away along with the world. That's the implication. Uh, To love the world is to handcuff yourself to the deck of the Titanic. To bond yourself to something that is going down. It's to take all your money out of the bank and put it into blockbuster video. It's going to pass away. It's over. It's coming to an end. And I think we should know that already uh, because all of these things that are... Uh, make up the world. Uh, They don't even last now. All these things, money, houses, careers, jet skis, porn, mobile phones, popularity, they're all going to pass away. Uh, Even now, money never satisfies. Mobile phones are superseded uh, every minute. Our popularity comes and goes and disappears. So why would you commit your life to those things? Why would you have them as the thing that directs your life? Don't love the world. Think about what's next. So John says, uh, in, with these three reasons behind it, don't love the world, think about Uh, who you are if you belong to God. Don't love the world. Think about what that means, the implication of it. And don't love the world. Think about what's next. But it still has that question for us. Uh, What about all those things in the world that uh, we might actually love? Our friends, our family, Pokemon Go, if that's your thing. Uh, Where does all that fit in the Christian life if we do love these things? 
Is it saying that we should hate on them? Uh, well, no. It's about who is in charge and where those other loves fit. Uh, Augustine was a famous Christian who lived around 400 AD and he wrote this. I might read it twice because it's got some these and thous and it's a bit hard to understand. He said this, He loves thee too little, who loves anything together with thee, which he loves not for thy sake. He loves thee too little, who loves anything together with thee, which he loves not for thy sake. See, love for God is the love into which all other loves fit. If you love your family, if you love your friends, uh, it's not separate to your love for God. It's not uh, meant to be a competing love. It fits as part of your love for God. Our love for God is meant to be the thing which rules all of our other loves. Everything else we do, every part of the world that we interact with, comes under our love for God and obedience to him if we are going to call him our father. We're to have no other loves besides God. None. All of our loves fit into that one overarching love. He loves thee too little who loves anything together with thee, which he loves not for thy sake. That everything else we do and say, all the people that we love come under our love for God, for his sake. We do all of our other uh, work and effort and love. That's what Augustine said in 400 AD. And on March 10, 1985, uh, this is a sermon that John Piper uh, spoke uh, at his church on this passage. I think it's a fitting way for us to end. He said, therefore, brothers and sisters, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. But if the love of the Father is in you, if you love God with all your heart, then every room you enter will be a temple of love to God. All your work will be a sacrifice of love to God. Every meal will be a banquet of love with God. Every song will be an overture of love to God.